The scripture this morning that we'll read together out loud comes from 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Father, we thank you for your truths. And as we open up your word this morning and continue in the book of Revelation, all of our favorite book, that you would speak to our hearts as your spirit moves. Speak to us and not only by your spirit, but in truth. And help us to walk, Lord, in spirit and truth each and every day in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We see in the Bible the use of trumpets by people in several ways. We see trumpets alert a community or a city of impending danger at hand. We see trumpets in the scripture used to rally troops to combat. We see trumpets used to call the people of God to worship and to sound their praise. We see trumpets signal the end of something, such as the end of the harvest. Maybe that's what we should do next year when we have our harvest Someone who can play, I'm sure Jordana can play the trumpet. So we'll, someone has to know how to play the trumpets. Maybe we'll be playing some trumpets when, next year for celebration of harvest. That's something we'll have to add to the list. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52, Paul describes a trumpet at the rapture of the church as the last trumpet. The word last in the Greek, it means the trumpet that closes the actual church age. When the rapture happens, the church age ends. He also calls this trumpet the trumpet of God that brings those in Christ from dead and catches up. We will be alive and remain with him for eternity. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, the rapture trumpet is therefore a short of a, a means of a harvest trumpet. The great harvest has taken place. The seven trumpets now here in the book of Revelation that we will see warn of attacks that is of the Lord's wrath against evil forces on earth during that seven year tribulation period. Revelation describes three phases of judgment that God is going to bring upon this world that has rejected him prior to the rapture. We will see these three phases. We've seen one of them as we wrap up the very first one. It's a, and I see them as a falling in a consecutive manner. 
Some people out there will say they're not consecutive, they're all over. But I see them in a very consecutive manner. I keep things very simple, and, and it, it seems very logical, but also the scripture certainly backs it up. The first phase we saw is these seven seals. As God opens the seal, remember he was the only one worthy to take the scroll from the Heavenly Father and to take and then each seal he opens and it was revealing wrath what would be poured upon this world. The second seal, the third seal, the fourth. We saw the four horsemen of the apocalypse played out in those first few uh, seals. And as we see, they're getting progressively more intense. I see this as God's grace upon this fallen world during that seven-year period because as he's growing in intensity, it's causing people to open their eyes to the truth that they missed the rapture. That they, they, they rejected Jesus. Now they realize all the things they heard through the gospel that you've been sharing and sharing and those who are walking away will all of a sudden realize that was truth. I really didn't surrender my life to Christ. I played Christianity. I went to churches occasionally. Multiple churches occasionally. As I was shopping, looking for the different service I could get. What, can, what does this church offer? What does this church offer and this church offer? You missed the whole point of who Jesus is. Because you were shopping for churches. You were looking for a religion. Jesus says, no, you need to look for me. Because it's all about me. It's not about the church building. It's about me. Are you seeking after me? And many were not seeking after Jesus. And they were left behind. And through by God's grace and mercy, he is now through these seals as they're opening up. It's growing in intensity and by his grace and mercy, giving people an opportunity to come to Christ. And we saw that in the last chapter, as we saw them in chapter 6, those who were under the altar, those who were, be, were martyred, who were killed for their faith, they came to Jesus and the Antichrist took them out. And it wasn't until the completeness of those during that seven-year period, seven period where they were now come, and we saw them last week, they were in there and they were standing and they were going to be serving God, and they were worshiping God. Now, today, what comes to us, as we look at this completion of phase one in regards to the seven seals that are broken by Christ and they're opened up here. And remember, it's Jesus who brings about God's judgment on a sinful human beings and ultimately upon the Antichrist and the false prophet that will be coming to light here as we continue in the book of Revelation. Then we'll see phase two. Phase two is the seven seals, which is now goes from the seven seals there in, in chapter six that we're talking about. But today we're going to see that seventh seal opens up the seven trumpets that we're going to see here in chapter eight, all the way through to chapter 11 of this. Which then will lead in that seventh trumpet the opening up of the seven bowls, or your, your, your Bible may say seven vials. New King James Version says seven bowls. 
and there'll be the bowls of wrath that are even more. And as we look at these from the seals to the trumpets to the bowls, you're going to see that the grace of God still, the mercy of God is still involved in all this because the intensity, it's not until we get to the bowls where everything is, is wiped out. Today we're going to see one-third, one-third, one-third. Twelve times we're going to see one-third, one-third. That means two-thirds are still being preserved or being an opportunity for people to come to Christ. Don't lose God's grace and mercy through the book of Revelation. That's why many people will not study and listen to the book of Revelation because it scares them because all they hear is the wrath of God. Yes, God is a God of love, but it's also he's a just God. If we didn't have a just God, where would we be? And so as we take a look at this, this, finishing up the phase one of the seals and opening up to the seven trumpets, the second phase here, and see this ever-increasing weight of judgment because on earth continues to be sin, continues to be rebellion, continues to be those shaking their hands against God because they will know it's God's wrath that's coming down them. Today, they don't, most people don't look up and shake their hand and God, how can that, 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 that earthquake happen? Most people don't shake their hands about the uh, lightning or the hail. <laughs> you might, when the next blizzard comes, you shake your hand. God, God why, why, why did we get a blizzard? But in the end times, during this seven-year period, it becomes very clear this is literally God's hand of wrath pouring down upon them. And they will still rebel against God. Still reject God. Still will not follow Jesus. Still won't commit their life to, to Christ. Even though God will make it very clear during this period of time. So as we open up the scripture here in chapter 8, I'm going to read through all 13 verses. I want you to follow along because we'll take verse by verse to take it apart here uh, as we go through. Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar, and he was given much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. That must have been a massive earthquake. Didn't, that's not plural, singular. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, 
and they were thrown to the earth. And a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grasses were burned up. The grass term here is vegetation. I'm sorry, ladies, we're not going to be here, but those who are trying to grow their tomato plants are going to be gone. Your your favorite little tree, when you're in heaven, don't worry about your tree. It's going to be gone. The apples are going to be gone. Okay, let's get back focus here. Verse 8. Then the second angel sounded in something like, notice that, something like, like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. And a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Then the third angel sounded. And a gray star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from the water because it was made bitter. Verse 12. Then the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck a third of the moon and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened, and a third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. And I looked, and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, 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 to the inhabitants of the earth, because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels we're about to sound. So as we take a look at the verses here, and as we take and read through and, t- and take these verse by verse, make sure you keep a couple of things in play. Remind yourself of the grace and the mercy of God. Remember that God is a God of love and a God, a just God. And there's, there's consequences for a rebellion and a sinful life going against God. There's going to be consequences. It may not happen today when you go against God, but it could happen. And ultimately, you have rejected God altogether before the rapture, and you find yourself left behind during the seven-year period of tribulation. I'm sure it's none of you here. I'm sure of it. Why? Because today, if you don't know the Lord Jesus, and you're here for the very first time, you're going to give your life to Jesus. So you make sure that you have a guarantee you're going to heaven when the rapture happens. It's your choice, though. It's your choice. God doesn't make you go to hell. He gave his life to try to find, make a way for you to keep you from going to hell. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves you. And so we see here in verse 1, when he opened, because Jesus is the only one who can open that seventh seal. Notice that seventh seal of seven means what? The last seal. That means the entire scroll is now revealed to all in heaven can see everything now. I think that's really incredible because when at the time when they're like, what's in that scroll? No one knows what's in the scroll. Who can even open up that scroll? It reveals that Jesus can open up the scroll. But now he's open. You still don't know what's in the scroll. 
We believe it's the deed of the earth, what's going to take place, not only in current time, but also into the millennial, into the everlasting. I think it's going to reveal all kinds of things here. But now we're actually seeing each seal open revealed the wrath of God upon this world, which leads to the trumpets, which leads to the bowls, which leads then our ultimate conversation. Don't forget this. Don't stick. Don't stop in the, on, on the wrath of God here. Ultimately, it brings us to what? You and I are coming back with him to rule and reign on this earth. Hello? Aren't you excited about that? I am. Doesn't mean I, I know all the things that are going to take place during that period of time, but I do know what the Bible tells me, and that's all God said I needed to know. It's going to be good. And we're going to be on the right side of the right team. We know the end story. We don't have to fear these things. Fear only comes when you're not walking with God. Trembling and fear comes when you know you're not right with God. But isn't that a beautiful thing of God's grace to, to stir your soul up? To stir you up to come and get right with God? Of course it is. See, when we see here, he opens up the seventh seal. This seal scroll now introduces what was played out from the very beginning as we see in these seals are they're opening up. But we saw in this, the, last couple of seal, the last seal, we see the 144,000 evangelists out there by the grace of God reaching this world. We see the great multitude who got saved during that period of time and who were martyred for their faith, not to take the... the, the uh, who were killed for their faith because they rejected the Antichrist, rejected what was going on. But they're in now in heaven. So who's left behind? Two groups. Those who continue to flat out reject Christ. But also, there are going to be those who give their life to Christ, but were not killed and not martyred that group will also be here when we come back with Christ. Very important as we continue in this, the teachings as we go into the millennial age. Mark that. So the only ones we see in that last week was that great multitude, that great revival, where some here, but all, some were martyred for their faith, and they're in heaven that we saw. Keep that in mind. But here's what was interesting that people miss when you study the scripture. That when he opened up the seventh seal, there was a silence in heaven. Silence for about 30 minutes. About a half an hour. John sitting there, Apostle John, going, okay, I'm, it was about a half hour. <laughs> That's all he understands. Remember, there's no time in heaven. But he has to still think from a perspective of what he knows, and that is about 30 minutes, half an hour. Well, why don't you try staying silent for, for 30 minutes? Now, there's all kinds of interpretations here, right? They're like, well, how did this silence happen here? Now, some, you know, I don't believe in this, but some say, there must be, there must be no women up there or something. But, but, but I don't believe that. I don't hold to that. that. I, I kind of you know, push that commentator aside. False teacher, you know that, right? 
It's my only joke I know of. And, uh, remember what we've already studied. A great, great multitude that was not able to be numbered is in heaven. On top of all of us who were raptured are in heaven. And 10,000 upon 10,000 upon millions, we don't even know how many angels are up there. And visualize miles after miles of people standing face, I mean, shoulder to shoulder, worshiping and praising God. And all of a sudden, he opens the seventh seal in complete silence. That is amazing. That's going to be amazing that you you and I are going to experience that. So if you can't stay silent for 30 minutes now without some kind of a noise, you will be in the future. Your best friend who just seems to not stop talking, she's, she or he's going to be quiet for 30 minutes in heaven if, he's, if they're standing beside you. It's a miracle, isn't it? <laughs> but think about this. I, in my mind, I'm sitting here going, is this the first time we see in any of the scripture where there's silence in heaven? Was, there, was this the first time since... The beginning of time and creation? What would stop entire, the entire worship? Remember, God says in his word, it's nothing but praise and worship nonstop in heaven. And it stops for about 30 minutes. Well, if you think about what was taking place, that seventh seal opening up here is a tremendous and deep, I would have to use the word respect and awe and honor of what God has just revealed to them. Remember, you took the seal off and opened up the rest of the school and has revealed to them what's good about to happen. No one's sitting there up in heaven cheering, yes, God, go get them. Take them out, man. Get the 50 out. Go, just mow them down, whatever it takes. Why? Because God does not find pleasure at all to take out the wicked. Don't forget. Don't lose who who our God is that we worship. He finds no pleasure in bringing wrath upon this rejected world. He loved every single one of us. Even the one that keeps mocking you at work about your relationship with Jesus he loves that man more than you he loves them he died for them you're wicked and he, he went to the cross for you don't forget where you came from only by the grace of God that he gave us the opportunity to do that and so when we take a look at this and we see the fact that he's opening up this last seal, we see the demands of what's going to take place. The courtroom is, is saying this is what the judge is going to do. It's going to bring down the judgment. Zephaniah 1.7. The Lord is his holy temple. 
Let all the earth be silent before him. I should say that was Habakkuk 2.20. Zephaniah 1.7 says, Be silent before the sovereign Lord, for the day of the Lord is near. See, when the scroll fully opens, and heaven can see that trumpet judgments that are about to come, and the bold judgments, these judgments are going to be much more terrible than what they just watched and experienced in the seals. And it's these judgments are going to be more terrible than anything the world has will ever have seen or experienced. We see that even noted in Mark chapter 13, verses 19 and 20. See, these final catastrophes, you can't even get your, wrap your head around what this is going to be like. That's why people who say, oh, pastor, I'll, I'll worry about that in the seven year. I'm, I'm prepared. I got my water. I got my food. I've got my bunker. I got my this. I got my that. I got it all dialed in. I'm a billionaire. I'm a millionaire. I've got this all figured out. I've been trained. You're a foolish man. You're a foolish man. Because you can't prepare what, about what God's going to do. We already saw in the scripture that they ran to caves and are hiding in the caves and said, please bring the rocks. I cannot see his faith. Do not, I don't want to see the, God's presence here. I can't handle it. But the, the silence is going to come. It may seem just for eternity, for 30 minutes. And think of all the millions of angels and saints silent. And the last seal is broken, the scroll is open, the book is fully unrolled. And now we see in verse 2, And I saw the seven angels who stand before God. Some believe that there's seven angels that are always constantly standing before God, ready to do what God wants them to do. They're not named anywhere in the scripture. But there's seven were ready. Out of all the millions, these seven were called. They're standing before God. And to them were given the seven trumpets. Jesus said, okay, here are the judgments of each of these trumpets. They're not trumpet trumpets, like we always say, for music. No, no, we're talking trumpets, the actual wrath of what was going to be poured out. And according to Jewish tradition, there are seven angels who stand in God's presence. I can't wait, if that is so accurate and true of Jewish tradition, I can't wait to see who those seven angels are. But apparently, we see here played out. In the Old Testament, Trumpets sounded the alarm for war and threw the enemy into a panic because they realized that blowing of that trumpet means the, the, they're coming. The army's coming. The assembly of God's people are coming. And it's these seven trumpets will sound as God's battle alarm during the great tribulation. In verse 3, then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. So eighth angel. It's the same Greek word here. 
He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. This is a beautiful thing you need to take note of. That all of the prayers of yours, all your prayers, all your cries, are collected in heaven, are heard in heaven, are known in heaven. Some you go, oh, God, no doubt heard my prayer and he answered my prayer. Oh, I know God, God answered my prayer. And then sometimes we throw prayers up there and we just go, did he hear me? Is he hearing me? Does he hear my cry? Does he know what I'm going through? And he does. We see here clearly that the prayers of all the saints, all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. Remember, the tabernacle is displayed here in the heavenlies. And in the tabernacle, you know they have the incense. It's like a, a, a box of, of, of coal that comes from the altar, and they would put the incense on it, and it would be a sweet-smelling aroma rising. Here, he takes this, the angel takes the, the coal from the, the altar there in heaven, and he puts the prayers of the saints, the incense, and all this is all coming together, and it's lifting up right there. From the angel's hands, it says here in verse 4. Ascending before God. Someone would believe, is it the cries and the prayers of those who were martyred? That we saw and says, when are you going to bring justice? When are you going to deal with this God? Why, when are you going to take this, wicked, this wickedness out? To stop this wickedness, this, this immorality that's going on? He's going to answer all of them. He's going to deal with all of them. And so in verse 5, the angel took the censer, filled it with the fire from the coal, threw it into the earth. What? He did, yes, the, the, it started rising, but he took it and he threw that judgment toward the earth. Now some people, as they read this, they believe this angel is Jesus. I don't see that. Some see the angels of Jesus functioning as a mediator between the Old Testament references to Jesus as the angel of the Lord. But I don't see that. Because when you study the Greek, you see that this angel is the same word as the other angels, the seven. And he uses a word here, it says, another angel, which means another of the same kind. So those seven angels and then another one of the same kind kind of angel comes and does this with this uh, with the um, coal this incense brings this all together in the censer and throws it to the earth what's the what's the results of this what is the consequence of this of this of this trumpet noises i can't even fathom what that noise must have, will be like Thunders. Okay, I understand that. Lightnings. I, I, can, I, can, I can get that. And an earthquake. An earthquake that shakes the world. That's what I believe. 
Because it doesn't say earthquakes. It says lightning's plural, thunder's plural, noise is plural. But there's one big earthquake. That will shake and bring the fear upon anybody. I think it's going to be lightnings that you've just never seen before. Thunders you've just rocking you. Noises that you can't even explain and even understand because it's going to be almost like an eeriness I can't imagine. Why does he throw the trumpet out and it causes just these noises? Well, because he's getting people's attention, are they not? So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Notice this. He's getting this, all these things throwing down about for the trumpets to be sounded here. He's like, okay, before I do the first trumpet, let me get your attention and let me throw something down there that's your way that brings about noises and thunders and lightnings and earthquakes. It's a prerequisite of, of letting you know the trumpets are coming. Second Peter, as we read in chapter 3, indicates that there is a sense in which we can hasten the Lord's coming by our holy conduct and godly living. But here we see that we can also hasten the Lord's coming through prayer. Even Daniel, when we read Daniel 9, asks for a speedy fulfillment of prophecy regarding the captivity of Israel. We see in Revelation 22, verse 20, when we get there, we can see and should also pray, pray, even so come Lord Jesus. We should be praying for these things. But when we see this angel getting everyone's attention there on earth, notice where this is coming from. Make, I'm going to make this a statement again. Notice the language where it's coming from. This was thrown from heaven to earth. This is not man's doing. It's not man's doing. It's coming from heaven to earth. It's God's doing. It's not just something that your normal experience here, it is to a beyond that gets everyone's attention to make sure you're making note. Notice here in verse 7. The first trumpet now is sounded here. It brings about a strike on vegetation of, of food, a food consumption here. Notice here, the first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed. Followed what? The lightnings, the earthquake, the things we just named. And so it was a preparation into this first trumpet. And what happened is hail and fire followed, mingled with blood. Now everyone's like, what do you mean by blood? Blood. You look at the original language, it can mean blood. Literally blood. Your blood. The life of blood. It's mingled with blood and they were thrown to the earth and a third of the trees, not all the trees, just a third of the trees were burned up and all the green vegetation, all the vegetation that was producing food was burned up. You can see the consequence that it's going to have on those who are remaining. Remember, eight billion people in the world, a quarter were already wiped out. Two billion people were already wiped out in the first part of the seals. Hello? 
multitude coming to Jesus and being killed and martyred and stuff. They're being they lifted up. We still have a few billion people out here going to experience this. And we see that now the food consumption, the food shortage is going to be rampant. Because one third of the vegetation of the planets are burned up during this great tribulation. See, John is emphasizing here to you and I the negative effect on the ecosystem. And you want climate change? This is climate change. And it's a climate change that's going to affect the globe. And it shows all of life is now in jeopardy. All those who are remaining, life is in jeopardy. The disasters following each of the first four trumpets that we're going to be talking about today recall the plagues, and you can see the connection, the plagues of God sent to the Egyptians. Do you or not? This one right here speaks of the seventh plague that came upon Egypt that God brought on upon Pharaoh and the people in Exodus chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. So here's the biggest question that people ask me. How is this all going to happen? And all these trumpets, how is this all going to happen? It's a great question. Many wonder if it's going to happen because of man's ways. We, like, like today, we, I, how is this all going to happen? It's, just, it's got to be nuclear, man. It's got to be nuclear war. It's got to be a fallout. That's what's causing all of this. Pollution, oh, all the burning and stuff, it's going to cause pollution, it's going to cause all kinds of problems. And you try to rationalize your head around what you know. I don't do that. I keep it really simple and understand that this is God's wrath and he can do whatever he wants to do and however he wants to do it. But as I read the scripture very simple and very clearly here, I don't, think, I don't see that. I see literally God bringing down from, from heaven, bringing down whatever he wants to bring. And this right now is very natural disasters. So most people will discount this as just natural disasters. This is not natural disasters. These are God's wrath bringing about. See, God may use whether, whatever method he wants to desire to do to bring judgment. But people on earth, you, who are, we won't be here, but those who are left behind, people on earth know these events are from God. And do not think them as merely natural disasters. Wait till we get to Revelation chapter 16 and 19. Then the second trumpet The second trumpet sounded and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown. Notice that. Was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea become blood. And a third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. So John carefully said that this is not an actual mountain. It's like a mountain, something massive, something material came down. Is it a meteor? What came down and went into the sea because it was thrown from God into the sea? Man didn't throw a mountain. God threw the mountain. His power, his might 
brought this massive blaze that looked like a, 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 of just a, just a massive, <laughs> it was with fire in it, going into the sea, and it wipes out the sea life. Not totally. Notice, a one-third, a third of the living creatures in the water, a third of the sea died, the third of the ships were destroyed. Now, I pondered on this, and I'm thinking, that's a huge mountain to wipe out all the world seas. But it doesn't say plural seas, does it? It's a singular sea. What sea does John know of at that period of time is the only sea that he would probably would have known about, the Mediterranean Sea. So I lean toward the fact that he is seeing what is taking place from a view that he understood, and that is the Mediterranean Sea. Now, you might have a view that's affecting the entire global here, but I think when we take a look at this, whatever it is, it's going to have huge consequences because it's killing the vegetation. Most of our oxygen comes from the sea, not the Amazon forests. It's less than 20%, they say. 80% or more, it comes from the, the, the plankton and things that come from the sea for our oxygen. So you can see the fact that it's now going to have this plague is going to cause some major problems. Not only the killing of the creatures in the sea, the sea actually dies in the, is dying in there of the vegetation, but also a third of the ships were destroyed. Can you imagine the ships all in the Mediterranean? There's warships in the Mediterranean. There's movement of product goods and services and oil and all the things are coming in and through and out through that that sea all the fishermen all of that one third is going to be wiped out the consequences are going to be great what plague does this bring you back to egypt it's in exodus chapter 7 verses 20 and 21 we see the very first plague in egypt is kind of mirrored right here in the second trumpet. This is going to be, the catechism across the thing is, is going to be incredible. Because if this is a meteor, if that's what the mountain that he's seeing crashing into the sea is going to result in a great oceanic upheaval. And the, risen, the, the smell of the dead fish and all the things that are going to be coming up through, I mean, it's just going to be Horrifying experience there. But the results is a third of the living creatures. Not all. God's still showing grace, still showing mercy. He didn't wipe it all out. Still trying to get attention of the people to come to Christ. But the word blood is there. The blood, you can see the fish could cause certain of the blood. The, the ships being wiped out, those, those are people. I mean, or was it maybe just the color of blood? But again, the language is there. The blood is yaima, which is, means the blood. It's the blood from your life of, of animals or humans. And then we see in verse 10, the third trumpet brings a strike on the fresh water. We see here in the sea of the salt water, now we're going to see even the fresh water, the springs are going to be attached. Look at it. Then the third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven. 
Again, it's coming from heaven, burning like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. And that star's even named here. Wormwood. Why is that important? Why? Because now we see by that name alone that this star, or it's not a star as we're seeing as a star. It could have been a meteor. It could be any of these kinds of things that come from the second heaven, the outer space kind of area. That's what something from that is coming down. I always said, if it's a full star, it would wipe out the earth. Because it's bigger than the earth. So it's got to be an element of the, of the star. It's got to be a meteor or something of the, because it can be, in the original language, can be any of those items that are floating around in, in space that can come down on us. But we just know when it enters in our atmosphere, it's going to be like a torch. It's going to be burning. It's going to hit the rivers, a third of the rivers. It's going to hit the, the aqueducts, the ones that affects the springs of the water. So no one's going to have a water source. It's going to be limited. But this third trumpet judgment is like the second, except it affects the world's fresh water lakes, the fresh rivers, the fresh, not the ocean here. The word wormwood is, is only seen in the New Testament here. It's seen a couple other places in the Old Testament, but only once in the New Testament, and that's right here. And it means bitterness and sadness. And so many people say, well, what is wormwood? Well, if you're a, uh, what's the, botany? What's the terminology? Botanist? If you know a botanist, you probably know this language and name. I keep it simple, and I call it a shrub. It's a shrub-like plant. And it's also noted, very noted, to be extremely bitter and poisonous. So it lines up. So a third of an ecological system is destroyed in judgment here. The intensity is happening on this earth. Then we see in verse 12 and 13, the fourth trumpet, and it brings a strike now in the heavens. And to affects the earth. Look at here. Then the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck. A third of the sun was struck. How did man do that? He didn't do it. A third of the moon. A third of the stars. So that a third of them were darkened, and a third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. Wow. Think about that impact. We see that this does not describe one-third lessening of light. But it's the one-third of the day and night, meaning of time, which we're talking about three to four hours less of day and night. It would be in absolute darkness. Matthew 24, 29. Jesus said the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. So Jesus even spoke of what the time would be like for those who are left behind. This fourth trumpet, this changes in, even in the heavens will be affected. But it's all, make note here, it's a third of the sun was struck. 
And if the sun was struck, which reflects on the moon, and the moon reflects the sun is now one-third, and all the stars also reflect of that, and all of that is a, a third of them is turning dark. It's going to be a dark place, a dark time, spiritually and physically. These are going to be dark times. Who wants to be here? You should not in your right mind want to be here. Verse 13. And I look and I heard another angel. Right? I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven. What was this angel saying? Now some of your Bibles may say uh, eagle. I don't see that. I know that both the old um, manuscripts, uh, depending on the manuscripts used, which says eagle, which also is probably more like a vulture, not an eagle that we think of. It's but more of the language vulture. And the vulture's going around saying these things, or is it an angel? I leaned what the New King James versions in the scriptures say. It's an angel flying through the midst of heaven. I don't know when the last time that an angel, uh, eagle or a vulture was up in heaven. Do you know what I'm saying? So I keep it pretty simple here. But this angel was flying through the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice, what? Hallelujah? 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 No. That's, that's, that might be some here saying when they see judgment coming upon the enemy that. But that's not the heart of God. The heart of our God says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now, I picture that. Angel going through the heaven, and however the angel is able to communicate, communicates out to a clear language that doesn't matter if you're the tribe in the middle of the jungle. They understood what whoa means. It's a common language. I believe across all of the universe. Whoa. It doesn't matter what language you were speaking at the time. When you hear woe in the scripture, it's not good. Follow, whatever follows in the scripture after woe is not good. So teach that with your kids. When your kids are like, Johnny, I told you you need to go clean your bedroom. Johnny, it's important you clean the bedroom. You need to learn these things. Oh, Dad, all you, Mom, all you have to do is get to the point. Where if I say, whoa, don't say, I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. Just say, but when I say, whoa, I mean, whoa. There's going to be consequences. That's what you need to teach kids. Can you hear it now? Did you hear what Mom and Dad said? Yeah, I heard, whoa, let's run. All right, back on focus here. Verse 13. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why? Because there's three more angels with three more trumpets, and they're all going to be released here, as we will see in chapter 9, and they're going to be much more intense than what, than what we just saw. 
Why are there more intense? Well, you read ahead when you so you can just read ahead. So when you come back, we'll talk about it. because there's all these things are kind of like okay, they're dealing with the moon and and the stars and the sun and and it's lightning and all these sounds and stuff. Okay, I can still kind of visualize a meteor. I know what that means and stuff. But when you get to the next three trumpets, man, these are things that you blow your mind of what God's going to bring about which through judgment. And notice what it says here. Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. The inhabitants of the earth in that language is the, those who are non-believers. Those who are left uh, behind. Because of the remaining blasts of the trumpets of the three angels who are about to sound. That is the woe, woe, woe. See, the angels' woes are well-founded here. One-third of the earth's population will die in the next three trumpets. And so John is like, this is, I hope everyone's taking note. This warning of whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) You're in trouble if you haven't given your life to Christ. And the angel cries out with a loud voice to warn everybody. The fifth and sixth and seventh trumps are coming. And so as we take a look and we move into chapter 9, Lord willing, next week, you're going to see those remaining trumpets open. And remember, the seventh trumpet opens up the bowls and all that. So read ahead, study ahead, so that God can, as you come and sit God can fill in all the questions you may have as you've been reading through the scripture. We must be reading the scripture. I highly encourage you now go back and read through. And if you haven't caught up to chapter 8, you need to do that and read, go through chapter 8 in your notes. You must study these things on your own as well. Don't be Googling things. Just let the spirit of God that dwells inside you to show you these things. Because what's going to happen is there's some people who are teaching it's all about nuclear war and all this and man this and man did this and man's going to do this and all. I don't see that. Everything is coming down, my brothers and sisters. Nothing in man can come up that's going to affect the world globe. I'm going to read a scripture here as we go into communion. It comes out of Ezekiel chapter 18, verses 30 to 32. Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, says the Lord God. Repent and turn from your transgressions so that iniquity will not be your ruin. Cast away from you all the transgressions which you have committed and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of the ones who dies, says the Lord God. Therefore, turn and live. That is my plea to you and those who are listening online or listening in the future. I ask you, if you do not have a new heart and a new spirit because you have not been born again, today's the day you need to stop fooling around and give your life to Christ. You must turn. 
It's called repenting. You must turn from your wicked ways and you must now live for Christ. The Savior, Yahshua, the Messiah, the God who sent, God in the flesh. Because apart from him, putting your faith and trust in him, you're not going to heaven. And if you are ignoring these warnings now and then go through the tribulation and you've come to Christ, this is not going to be a party. You're going to be dying as a martyr because you finally came to your senses and gave your life to Christ. Or if you don't, at some point you're going to feel the wrath of God. Right now he's experienced the touch of the grace of God is what I'm asking you. The conviction you're feeling as a non-believer right now is not the wrath of God. It's the grace of God that says, please turn. I assure you the alcohol is not worth it. The drug is not worth it. The pornography is not worth it. The hatred, the bitterness, the resentment, the unforgiveness is not worth it. What is holding you back in surrendering your life complete to Christ? Do you realize you have no guarantee for tomorrow for you and I? But I don't worry about these things because if something happens to me, I'm in the presence of the Lord. I have that promise. Do you have that promise? As we take communion today, and the Lord is speaking to your heart, get right with God. If you've been backslidden, and you're walking away, and you're just now coming back, praise the Lord, you're back. Get right with God. Confess everything. But if you haven't repented, and you haven't given your, put your trust in Jesus, today's the day. So many people will tell me, Pastor, I don't see a problem doing drugs. I don't have a problem getting drunk. I don't think it's a problem living however I want to live. You're being fooled. The scripture talks about being bewitched. You're being, you're being duped, man. That's why we come to the, this grace table, man. Because we can come and as we take these elements and this piece of cracker and this little piece of juice, it reminds us of our Savior and what he did on the cross for you and me. You can't, you can't save yourself. Oh, how many times people say, I work, work, work. I've really done a lot of things for God. He's going to be really pleased with me. That's not how it works, my brothers and sisters. It's all based on his finished work. You put your trust in your life by turning away from your wicked ways and following him. As the scripture there says, therefore turn and live, man. Turn and live. But give your life to Jesus. Surrender all. He'll hear you. He'll hear your prayer. God, forgive me. God, I, I, I ask for forgiveness right now. I repent. I turn away from my wicked So I'm going to get rid of all. Lord, help me to get rid of this stuff. Let it fade away from my life that doesn't please you. Just let it go away. And let me live for you so everything that's of you, it's pleasing to you, fills my life. He hears that prayer. And it'll be the prayer that there's going to speak of we saw today right there 
going in the censer with this incense, burning and going right in front of the head. That's going to be your prayer, so if you give it to him today. Amen?